Amen. Hey, my name is Will, and welcome to church. Anybody else glad that they're in the house of the Lord this morning? Come on. There's no better place to be. There is no better place to be than on a Sunday morning, and I am grateful that I get to be here with you, that we get to learn something from the Word of God. And if you want to do it right now, you can start uh, getting extra credit by going ahead to John 10. That's where we're going to be learning from today. But I thought it would be appropriate, before I begin at all, to give a big thank you to a man who's our pastor, but also a guy who saw a millennial, that would be me and my generation, kind of a hush fell over the room, but a millennial and he saw a guy who was a teenager, an 18-year-old guy with real no, no future, no real hope yet, trying to find my purpose, but he saw something in me and said, hey, would you come work for me? And I started as an intern, and now over the course of nine years, it has been an honor, it has been a blessing to give my life, but also my wife and I, just to be able to serve here with so many people, uh, even in the congregation today. And so I thought it'd be appropriate, if you can help me, by thanking Pastor Ben. Um, I'm very appreciative of you, and we're going to begin the message this morning in a, a passage called John 10. So what you can do is you can pull out your phone. It's okay. Like Pull out your phone, pull out your Bible, your hard copy. And we believe that the Word of God is actually God-inspired, God-breathed. So it's not just text on a page, but it's actually God's breath, inspired, in writing. And that's what we're going to be reading and learning from this morning. And this is an eyewitness account regarding the happenings of Jesus Christ in John, in John 10, and to understand fully the context, we've got to realize that, uh, the, that chapter markers weren't a thing when this was being written. So we're going to be in chapter 10, but before, I want to end up right at the end of chapter 9. It's titled Spiritual Blindness, and this is where we're going to start this morning. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? So Jesus has just healed a man had just been able to make his eyesight come back with mud and this concoction, but Jesus performed an awesome miracle. And so who is he, sir? The man asked, tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you now have seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see, and those who will see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what are we blind now to? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin, but now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. And we're beginning to see and open up a passage of John 10 that talks about the good shepherd in the sheep. The good shepherd in the sheep. And for the Pharisees in this moment, this should not have been a surprise. The good shepherd, the illustration of a sheep had been mentioned about many, many times. They'd probably even studied it. But for their own minds, they were so cloudy in realizing that they couldn't even understand what Jesus was about to say in John 10. And that's where we're going to begin so if you're following along in your Bible, in your message notes, on the screen, on your phone, here we go, verse 1. Very truly, now if, if you're brand new to church, i got to just make this, if, if you're reading along in your Bible, it's red text. Anytime you see red text, that's Jesus speaking, right? So like the man, Jesus, speaking right here. Very truly, I tell you Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen 
by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will, ne- they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used his figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. And this is where we're going to begin. But before I kind of jump into the message, uh, my wife and I have had a nice addition to the family since last time probably we connected or, or chat. And I actually got a photo for you I want to show you. A picture of my son. His name's Landon. Come on, first service like got out of their feet and clapped. So come on, give some love to my son. So the cool thing about this photo, right, is uh, every day he gets more hair than me. <laughs> And the second thing is, I, I'm sorry, but he has the same forehead I have. So uh, he's, he's such a great, great guy. And if you saw him walking in, I'm sure he may have smiled at you. Uh, he loves life. And we're just glad to add him into our family. And it's really a special, special time. And so in this passage, we begin to see this phrase of the gate. And I want to share with you a story uh, where two things collide for me as a person. I love to go to concerts. I love to be able to see a live band in person, but as the same desire of that, I also have a desire, and maybe, uh, uh, I don't know if it's a problem, but I'm also a cheapskate. So I love going to really great concerts and having the very best seat, but at the same time, straight up, I'm a, che- I'm a cheapskate. Like, there's no other way to put it. And I want to show you a photo of a concert I went to, a Coldplay concert, and this was my seat. So... This was not my seat, but I want to tell you the story. So this is Chris Martin, a good friend of mine who is actually here today. His name's Ian, one of my closest friends. We bought the cheapest seats possible to see Coldplay. And I got to be honest, when, when, when they say nosebleed seats, like, that actually is accurate. Like there was a different air where we were supposed to be sitting. So we get to the concert, we sit in the very top section, and as you can see, we look at each other, and we make a, a judgment call. And um, this was many, many years ago, like, you know, 18 months ago. And, um, well, it's much younger, much younger. And uh, we decided that we may be able to get past the gate. And for us, that was just some security. And we made our way down. And I think it's the favor of the Lord in our life. But for whatever reason, the gatekeeper or the security looked the other way. And without their credentials... Without the wristband, without the money, without the everything, we cruised to the best seat in the entire concert. And we enjoyed Coldplay uh, right next to Chris Martin. It was awesome. And I want to tell you the second experience. Um, The photo is of a U2 concert. We have any U2 fans by raise a hand? Yes. All right. You kind of revealed your age as well, which is okay. But um, I loved U2. And you can see this is where our our seats ended up. Bono is like an ant from here, but uh, it helps because there's a massive screen. But I want to tell you, I tried the same exact thing. And I brought my wife. So husbands, you'll, um, you'll, under- you'll understand this. But I wanted to convince Rebecca, my wife, that I have this talent, I have this skill, 
It doesn't matter what gatekeeper, what security looks like. I, I'm going to show you, Rebecca, watch what I can do to get us uh, right next to Bono. And so I tried the same thing. We got up to the first gate, right, the first person who's just doing their job. And I said, hey, look, um, I may have lied a little bit too. Hey, it's our first time at a U2 show, and it would mean nothing more for my wife and I to be able to see Bono up close and personal. And, you know, we're working parents and uh, We'd really like to see it. So anyway, the gatekeeper, the security, says no. And i got to tell you what I did next. I pulled out a $20 bill out of my pocket. This is how desperate I had become. And it's actually, you know what's funny? I'm thinking of the story. It's actually $40. This makes it even worse. I pulled out $40 in my pocket and said, look, I'm not trying to bribe you, but I kind of am. If I give you this cash, can you whatever? Long story short, they kept the $40, and we did not get to sit anywhere closer. It was pretty disappointing. Um, so, but they were doing their job, and in this passage, we begin to see that Jesus is a good shepherd. And he's talking to us about what he represents in John 10. But to understand these stories, understand uh, what's really being talked about here, we've really got to look at both things he's talking about, which is sheep and shepherds. So I've got four quick things to describe sheep, which is us. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about us. And the first one is this. Sheep are not smart. They are on the lowest level of the animal IQ in the planet. They are not smart. And I've got another photo to show you. Growing up in church, this was always the photo I would see. And it's like, oh my gosh, cuddly shepherd, um, holding the sheep, right? But what just happened, just so y'all know, is that shepherd was tired of chasing that sheep because sheep stray. It's just what they do. And so that shepherd, could be Jesus, could be a, just a generic shepherd, um, broke the legs of that sheep, right? Like broke its legs, put it on its back, and carried it. And what shepherds would do is they would break the back of sheep that continued to stray. And over time, that sheep would get real close with the shepherd, and when its legs were ready to grow and it was ready to walk, the shepherd would put the sheep down and the sheep would not leave the shepherd's side. So sheep are not super smart. Another thing we need to know about uh, in John 10, just for an understanding of what we're talking about, is sheep stray. And just maybe God chose to characterize us human beings as sheep because we have a tendency to stray. And it is true that when a sheep strays enough and jumps over the cliff, other sheep will follow that sheep over the cliff. Like that actually happens. And, and I think, as I'm thinking about the message, a lot of times humans are like that. We do some dumb things. Number three, as we learn a little bit more about cats, is, or uh, sheep, uh, my next point, sheep are copycats. I slipped up, but really, sheep are copycats. They will do what other sheep well, we'll do it without really any regard to human life. And I love animals, and this isn't the point of the sermon, but uh, in the Bible, it talks about sheep over 400 times. It talks about it a lot. Here's some other animals. Cattle, 131 times. In the Bible, it talks about cattle, 131 times. Dogs, 41. Eagles, 26 times. And here at the end, it talks about cats, zero times. Like, I just want everybody to know in this place, the Bible never talks about cats. But it does talk about sheep. And if you're like a pro-sheep like advocate, I do have an email. It's joseph at fourcornerschurch.com. And y'all hit him up. He will field uh, all my questions about sheep. The fourth thing about sheep is this. Is sheep are completely 
dependent on the shepherd. And that's what leads us into this story, that sheep are completely dependent on the shepherd. I'm here to remind you that we are similar to sheep. And this story in John 10 is not about sheep, but it's more so about a good shepherd. And we're going to find out a lot about, but that's the context, that's the background of how we're going to begin to learn what Jesus was trying to tell us in chapter 10 of Luke. So verse 3, if you're following along, it says this, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him. I like to think the gatekeeper is God, but could be, could be not. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. The good shepherd, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. It's a beautiful picture about a good shepherd leading his sheep, and the, the correlation between a good shepherd and, a, and a, a good sheep, they know his voice. And I want to ask you, if I can just begin to meddle a little bit, what voice are you listening to in your life? What voice has has now clouded out the voice of the good shepherd. And what you listen to as human beings just is a truth, and what you listen to will begin to define you. And so i got to ask three simple W questions. So who do you listen to, what do you listen to, and why do you listen to that? I've already revealed. I like Coldplay. I like you too. I like Justin Bieber. No, I'm just kidding. I like the third one. But I like those certain music. But more importantly, outside of music, what influences, what people have the access, not only to your ear, but as you listen to something and it begins to penetrate your heart, what are you listening to? And we begin to see an unbelievable correlation that these sheep know the good shepherd's voice. And there's power in that. And so as I meddle and ask you the question, what do you listen to? In 2019, there's probably a bunch of stuff you could listen to. And what space in your heart does the good shepherd, Jesus, God, the Lord, what space in your heart is he allowed to speak to you? And the truth is, the Lord is speaking to you, I would believe, even right now. He was probably speaking to you as you woke up. He may even speak to you later today. But what other voices are clouding your ears? Enough so that you can't begin to understand and process and walk with the good shepherd. Staying close enough to hear his voice and to follow him. If you're following along, we're going to go to section two. So essentially, Jesus gives this story that should make complete sense to the Pharisees. But whatever reason... All the legalism, they're cloudy, they can't, they can't comprehend the simple words. So Jesus is about to just say, look, here it is, the, all the truth, I'm about to deliver it. Here's what he said. Therefore, Jesus said again, here comes red letters. Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters... Through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. It's beautiful imagery. The hired hand is not the shepherd. It does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock, 
and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. What we know now, Jesus is essentially saying, I am the gate. Another translation would put it, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Nobody has access to the Father except through me. And what's remarkable about this imagery is in the time, shepherds and sheep would come into the town. And so imagine five shepherds with completely different flocks would come into the town. And at night, the shepherds would go to sleep and they put all these sheep together in one big uh, pen or one big uh, area where they would sleep. And when you wake up in the morning, the shepherd would begin to call for his sheep. And since the sheep had been walking closely with that shepherd, the sheep would know which shepherd is theirs. And in the same way, Jesus is declaring right here, look, I am the gate. I am the door. Matthew 7, 13 says this, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. Another verse says this, John 14, 6, Jesus answered, answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. Remember, no one comes to the Father except through me. There's a short story that, that, that helped me realize the power of a shepherd and a sheep. And there's two men right around the 1900s that were traveling together. Two extraordinary men, two big, big men in the faith. One was G. Campbell Morgan, who was from Great Britain. And he took about 27 trips across the Atlantic to preach in America. So just an extraordinary uh, man of God. And ironically, on this same trip he was making, he meets a man named Sir George Adam Smith, who some would say is the greatest Old Testament teacher of the time. And on this trip, they get together, have coffee, hang out, whatever they do, on ships in the 1900s. Uh, and, and, and he describes an experience, Adam Smith, describes an experience he had with an Arab shepherd. They're talking about the Bible. They're talking about faith. And this is what comes up. So listen to this. This is, this is fascinating. One day, Adam Smith's talking. I was traveling with a guide and came across a shepherd and his sheep. He fell into conversation with him. The man showed him the fold, the Arab man, shepherd, in which the sheep were led at night. It consisted of, get this, it consisted of four walls. He's describing what he's seeing. It consisted of four walls with a way in. Sir George said to him, that is where they go at night? Yes, said the shepherd, and when they are in there, they are perfectly safe. But... You're, you're tracking with me, but there's no door. It's walls with an opening, no door. But there's no door, right, said Sir George. The shepherd responds, I am the door. He was not a Christian man. He was speaking from the Arab shepherd's standpoint. Sir George looked at him and said, what do you mean by the door? Like, tell me, what do you mean by the door? The shepherd describes this, and this is, this is exactly what we're learning in John 10. He describes when the light has gone and all the sheep are inside. I lie in the open space and no sheep ever goes out but across my body. And no wolf comes in unless he crosses my body. I am the door. What we're learning here is Jesus Christ is, is 
is really make, making, it, making a lot of sense. He's saying, look, there's only one way in. And if you're a part of my flock, if you're a part of my church, my people, I am the gate. I let those out who I want to let out. I let those in who I want to let in. And at night, I am the gate. And I am the door. And I'm not sure if you've lived long enough to know that you do need protection. And we're going to learn here that the enemy of our soul is saying, I have come to do three things. I've come to seek, destroy, and kill you. Anything that's related to sin. And Jesus is declaring here, I am the gate. Verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Another version says abundant life. There's, there's a few things where, um, that you're not going to find abundant life in. So lean in, lean in with me. Listen to this first one. You will not find abundant life in pleasure. If you're following along your message notes, take your pen out, write it, write it in your Bible, wherever you want to do it. You will not find abundant life that Jesus is talking about in John chapter 10 in pleasure. It won't happen. Galatians 5.13 says this. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. We're talking about a message series for the next few weeks that talks about freedom. And I'm not sure where it got into our culture and maybe into your family or into your upbringing where if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, somehow you're missing out on one of the opportunities in life or what life has to offer. And I've got to declare there's nothing further from the truth. Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, has declared for you and for me that he will give you abundant life. It doesn't mean following him is easy doesn't mean you're going to have to give up stuff. But he's promising you as the good shepherd and us as sheep, he's going to give you abundant life. And when he does, the freedom and abundant life isn't for you. <laughs> Man, a little guilt trip there, right? It's not for me. It's to serve others. Second point, if you're following along. You will not find abundant life in position. In that job, in the car, in the money, what, whatever it is. You will not find abundant life in position. Mark 10, 45 says this. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You will not find it in possessions. In position. Third one is this. You will not find abundant life in possessions. Luke 12, 15 says, Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Winston Churchill, someone's just super, super awesome in history, said this. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. An abundant life today does not mean possessions. God did not design us to be hoarders. He did not design us to just hoard awesome stuff. And as much stuff as you can get, take it all in. Marie Kondo is teaching me that in a new way at my house. I don't know if you all heard of her, but check out Netflix. You're a little late to the game if you haven't. But she asks you and says, does this article of clothing, does this treasure or whatever you hold, does it bring 
joy. And y'all can pray for me because I'm going through that. <laughs> it's not easy at the house, right? You weren't designed. An abundant life does not mean possessions. Jesus intended to give his followers life. And the truth, the truth is that you will never live an abundant life. Like never, never, never. You'll never live an abundant life if you crave the applause and approval of others. There's only one good shepherd that can tell you who you are. There's only one good shepherd who has the right to tell you who you are and what, why, you're, why you're on this earth. And you will continually come up short. You'll continually be not satisfied. You'll continue to not sleep well if you're realizing and saying, what people think about me is all that I care about. What a waste. What a waste. The good shepherd's calling you for more. He's calling you for much, much more. Here's, here's a few things that the good shepherd offers. So we're in John 10. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Here's what the good shepherd offers. Number one, he offers protection. I am the gate. Like, can you think about it with me? Like, Jesus Christ himself is saying, I am the gate. I am the door. I am willingly going to lay down my life for you, for me, a sheep that, man, I go astray a lot. That the, that the good shepherd would actually declare that, you know, you're important enough that I'm going to lay down my life for you. And at night, when you're asleep, I am the door. I'm putting myself, my body, right here in front. And I'm going to give you protection. I'm going to actually protect you. The enemy of our soul, I, I really think this, it seeks to shift our ears away from hearing the good shepherd. And again, if you've lived long enough in this life, you know this, that when you lean in closer with the things of God, always opposition happens. Always. It's just how it works. It just, it, it just happens that way. Following Jesus is not easy. But he has said, a good shepherd, I am going to offer you protection. Second thing he's going to offer you is pasture. Second thing a good shepherd offers you is pasture. And uh, what's really cool about John 10 is it's really the New Testament version of Psalm 23. And uh, if you're a parent in the room, even if you're not a parent, um, the storybook Bible really talks about Psalm 23 in a powerful way. That the good shepherd is actually leading us to green pasture. Here's what it says. God is my shepherd. And I am his little lamb. He feeds me. He guides me. He looks after me. I have everything I need. Inside my heart is very quiet. As quiet as laying still in soft green grass in a meadow by a little stream. Even though I walk through the dark, scary, lonely places. And you may be in the room right now and you're in a lonely place. You're in a dark place. I won't be afraid because my shepherd knows where I am. He is here with me. He keeps me safe. He rescues me. He makes me strong and brave. He is getting wonderful things ready for me, especially for me. Everything I ever dreamed of. He fills my heart so full of happiness, I can't hold it all inside. Wherever I go now, this is going to preach. Watch. God's never stopping. He's never giving up. He's unbreaking, always and forever. Love will go too. That is the good shepherd. He's offering you green pasture where it's quiet, where it's still, where everything is okay. 
The third thing, the third thing the Good Shepherd is offering us is purpose. The Good Shepherd is offering us purpose. I just want to say it that, that, and listen in, that God declared purpose over your life before anybody had an opinion about you. God declared purpose over your life before you had your first mistake. God declared purpose over your life while you were still in your mother's womb. God knew you. God knows you. God declared purpose over your life before you were even you. And I don't know if it's just me, but as I become a father and I become a man, purpose is a big deal for me. And somehow purpose now collides with significance. Because can we, can we all be honest? Each one of us wants to lead a significant life. And here's what the Good Shepherd is offering us in John 10. He's offering us purpose that you would go out and have an abundant life. Not because you have possessions. Not because you have position. You have purpose and you have significance because you're part of my flock. And there's no better place to be. That's the kind of purpose that God is giving you and that God will give me if you're part of his family. And being a dad and being a father, I get, I get one shot. And Christian men in the room, maybe you're thinking through this, that you want, to, you want to live a life that's significant. You want your son, you want your daughter to look at you and say, hey, that was a man who chased after God's own heart. That's what I want. Christian wives says in the same way. You want your life to count. And the good shepherd is offering you purpose. I want my son to see his father pursue Jesus in a real way. Proverbs 19.21 says this. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. You've got to have a plan. If you're hearing this verse and saying, I don't need to have a plan, you need to have a plan. Christian men, Christian husbands, you need to have a plan for your life. Uh, you need to have a plan. Christian wives, Christian women in the room, you need to have a plan. But it's not your plan. Many are the plans in a person's heart. You can insert your names, and I'm just going to be very honest. Many are the plans in Will's heart. Many are the plans in your heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. There's nothing greater, there's nothing sweeter, there's nothing more fulfilling than actively following the Good Shepherd and knowing his voice. Nothing. Period. End of discussion. Nothing. Here's the last one. The Good Shepherd offers provision. The Good Shepherd offers provision. I am the good shepherd. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and not just life. I'm not just giving you life. But I'm going to give it to you like all the way. Life abundant. Life to the fullest. Purpose to the fullest. Significance more than you ever thought possible. That's what the good shepherd is offering us in declaring in John chapter 10. Wow. Section 3. As we wrap up, it's verse 14. It says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. Thank you, Lord, that you know us. And my sheep know me just as the Father knows me. And I know the Father. And I lay down my life. I actually am the door. I'm the gate. I'm whatever you want for the sheep. 
I have other sheep. This way it gets really, really cool. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. He's talking about us. At the time, he's talking about Jewish sheep, Jewish people. They said, hey, I've got more room in my flock. And isn't it nice to know in 2019 that Jesus Christ, the ruler, the king, the person that died but did not stay dead, is offering us a chance into his army, his flock, his group. Like, thank you, Lord, that you just didn't say it was done there and we don't have a chance. <laughs> thank you. And many of us have this picture of God that he kind of created us, dumped us, and left us. There's nothing further in the truth than that. Jesus Christ wants a personal relationship with you because he's for you, and he designed you, and he created you. The good shepherd wants you a part of his flock. So what are you listening to? What are you listening to? We're going to finish this up. I kind of got off, off there. The reason my father loves me is that I laid down my life only to take it up again. No one, he's talking to the Pharisees, but man, he's talking life and declaring it over us in this room. No one takes it from me. That's how strong I am. No one takes it from me. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Whoa. Like, are y'all reading the same thing I just read? As you can picture Pharisees, No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Anthony's going to come up, and we're going we're to worship in a, in a bit, but I think it, would, it, it wouldn't be right if we close in a way and realize that hey, we have the opportunity to be with the good shepherd. And these words written and breathed a thousand years ago, do relate to us right now. And the good shepherd is offering a lot of things to you. If you've been following the Lord, I would just, for a while, and I would encourage you, what captivates your ear? What captivates your ear? The good shepherd is calling you. Maybe if you're even new to church, and this is one of your first experiences here, I want to declare and just tell you that the good shepherd, Jesus Christ, the good shepherd is calling for you. He's saying, come back. The good shepherd's saying, come back. Come back into my fold. Come back into my group. That's what Jesus is declaring over you right now. That the possessions, the position, the power, the things of this world that the enemy wants to try to make you feel is really great for you. It's not. Because look, I am the door. I am the gate. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And there's nothing else worth following in this world. And it's a good reminder for us this morning. Man, the good shepherd wants me. Like, do you feel that? Does it, does it, does it shake your heart a little bit? That the good shepherd wants us in his flock. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you've given us a chance. Thank you that we have this ability to know you. Lord, would you speak? Would you speak? Verse 42, which is really cool. We're going to skip all the way to the end of John 10. Verse 42, the sentence of John says, And in that place, many believed in Jesus. And men, 
there's nothing I want more than that be written about four corners. And in this flock and in this church, that many in this house, that many in this church received Jesus Christ into their heart for the very first time. There's nothing better and there's nothing greater. Three things I want to leave you with. The good shepherd wants you to know his voice. The good shepherd wants you to know his voice. The second thing is the good shepherd is calling you. He's calling. <laughs> Man. He's saying, come back. I'm here. Come home. Nothing of this life will satisfy you. And look, not just, I'm going to save you, but not just to save you so you can be you, but I'm going to give you pasture. I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to give you security. But not even just that. I'm going to give you life to the fullest, bigger than anything you could dream or think of. I think many of us think of life just between the time you're born and the time you're dead. And look, life's too short for that. We're eternal creatures, and what we do on earth matters. And Jesus is calling each one of us. And maybe this is just a fresh reminder. You need to be following the good shepherd closely, opening this book, reading, saying, God, I'm, I'm teachable. You're the good shepherd. I'm a humble sheep. I know I stray, but Lord, teach me. The good shepherd, third, can give you peace, purpose, and safety. He can. He's declaring in this place that you're mine. You're safe. <laughs> you're with me. I think the Bible's really just a grand theme not just in John 10, but throughout, is God wants a personal and close relationship with you. And uh, if this is new to you, I want to encourage you, what we're going to do now is reach to your side, under your seat, grab the Connect card out. Quickly, grab it out, grab it out. We want to take some steps. And if something's resonating with you, even in this moment, and you maybe don't feel an audible voice of God, but you feel a prompting, a nudge, a man, that, that just makes sense. My life doesn't have that fulfillment. I've been chasing. I've been a sheep. This is your time to mark step A, to say, I accept Jesus Christ, that you are the good shepherd, that you did live a perfect life, that you did die on the cross. And, you, and it says right here that you, you have authority over your own life as a human. What? To die but to not stay dead? No other religion offers that. Nothing. Step B, what we're going to see here in a bit is uh, baptism. If you're interested in being baptized, I'd love for you to mark that and we'll be in touch with what that means. Step C is this. Will, I'm going to join you. I will read through the Gospel of John in February. So New Testament, you kind of, you kind of get there. Matthew, Mark, Luke, come to John. I'm going to commit today. Now, Maybe I won't get all of it, but I'm going to commit, because I've been stirred, I'm going to commit to read John in February. I'm going to see what the Lord reveals to me. Step D, I want to go on a 4C missions trip. Send me the information. What's so awesome is we have a pastor who uh, really said, before we built this building, we didn't build it, but we redesigned it, we flipped it essentially, that before we have our own building here and our own church, we're actually going to build a church in India. We're going to have a place where orphans can find their good shepherd. 
that these sheep haven't been treated right in southern India, and uh, we're going to give them the chance to know God. We're going to save 50 of them from sex slavery. We're going to save a bunch of boys, too, where they're going to have a house. We're going to have a bunch of pastors who are sponsored by families within this church. If you want to know more about that, and we also sponsor 14 pastors in Cuba, man, God is on the move. I want to send you the information about how you can join a trip. The next one is please sign me up for group number... It's in your message notes. Or send me the email so I can sign up. Christianity is not a solo sport. You weren't meant to do this alone. And I'm not sure your experience with church, I just offer this as we close, that maybe you've been burned by another church. Man, maybe you've, you've felt the bite of some other sheep. It happens. I want to encourage you into this flock, even today. If you're a student... Either you're at college going away. Man, I was right there. Stay in the flock. Stay. Stay. There's nothing more powerful than having a meal with a group of people talking about the Lord. You can be encouraged by that. So what I want to do right now is we're going to pray. And I'm, I'm going to encourage you if, you, if you would, you can put your hands like this. We're going to close our eyes so no one's really looking and no one's uh, taking notes of whether you're doing it or not. But I found when I put my hands like this, I, I can... Formally and just with my body say, God, I, I want more of you. And Lord, we pray that, that your presence would be felt here. And God, we know that you're speaking. Lord, we're grateful that over the course of a couple thousand years and since the beginning of time, you have continually spoke to us. And I pray right now, Lord, as sheep, that we would begin to hear the voice of the good shepherd in ways that we never knew possible. Lord, will you say, I am the way, I am the truth, I am life, that it would make sense to us in this place. Lord, teach us. We want to follow after you. Tune our ears to you. We're grateful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.